Are you ready to make positive transformation happen for you? Today, you're going to hear how some of the most successful people in the world have made it happen. Hello, and welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership with Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. These successful people and Dr. Woolsey will share advice, insights, tips, and tricks designed to help you incite personal action. It's time to bring positive transformational leadership to your life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. Here we go. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world listening to the show today. This is Transformational Energy Leadership, and I'm your host, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey, coming to you live from America's heartland. And today's show is called Return on Integrity, Unleash Your Real ROI. Now, before we get started, just a quick reminder, you can visit my website during the commercial breaks. That's transformationalenergyleadership.com. Learn more about me and my business offerings. And if you want to contact me, you can email me at mwolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. You can go to Voice America, find me under the Empowerment Channel. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook. Now, today we are talking about integrity. And joining me is John Bloomberg. And our program today will equip you to do three things. First of all, investigate the systemic value of the intersection of personal and organizational core values as the linchpin of your leadership and the very essence of your integrity. Number two, start digging into your core and in doing so, unearth your ability to lead others to do the very same thing. And the third thing is build daily traction and ultimately the momentum for realizing a collective return on integrity in any organization. So the bottom line, folks, is that you will never see ROI in the same way ever again. So let's make that positive transformation happen today. And to the listening audience out there, this is a live show. So if you have a comment or a question, please call in. The phone number is one 888 346-9141. Let's get started. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you, Matt. Great to be with you today. It's good to have you here as well. You know, John, to get things started, just tell us something about you and your journey that brought you to this point about writing a book on integrity. Yeah, I think initially uh, I've always talked about uh, core values as a part of leadership. In fact, I, when I first went into uh, speaking and writing, my focus was general leadership and leadership development. And uh, core values was a piece of the puzzle. Uh, and along the way, I was asked to write a, my second book was Good to the Core, Building Value with Values. And it was by a publisher called Simple Truths. And they have little colorful square books. And uh, it's very short word count, and in writing that book, and more importantly, once it came out, I was thrown into a lot of conversations about core values and organizational core values and personal core values, and what I began to realize is that when it comes to leadership, values isn't just another thing, that actually core values is everything, and I realized that I had only scratched the surface, and uh, so I began this journey of writing Return on Integrity, which had been... uh, uh, ideally, it was going to be a one-year project that turned into a four-year journey because, as I wrote, people asked really good questions that I didn't necessarily have the answers to. And so I just kept digging more and more into this idea of integrity and what it was. And uh, I just realized that there's something here that we have missed in organizations uh, that was waiting to be discovered. And so I went on the journey to, to really give a good, hard look at that. John, after four years of writing a book, you should have a dissertation by now. <laughs> so, 
Well, you would know about that. So <laughs> <laughs> I would. Well, I'll tell you, the structure of today's show, here's what I did is I took it and I mirrored the format of your book. And the first segment will focus on dilemma, which is your first D. And the second segment is definition. And the third segment of the show is called destiny. And those are the three Ds. And then, of course, at the end, we'll pull everything back together. And so your first book, John, was called Silent Alarm. And it was a business novel. And you're known for using great stories in your keynotes. I've heard them myself. But your newest book, Return on Integrity, is not a story at all. Did you find that hard? Uh, yeah, that was the hardest thing of all. Uh, I, I, I have a love for story. In fact, with some clients, I actually uh, teach on how to create great stories. Uh, but as I was saying earlier, I was trying to dig into integrity in a way that um, I, I was hoping that it would be uh, driving deeper um, and, frankly, more challenging uh, and also more adventurous. Uh, but but it was in territory that I, I felt organizationally and also individually that we hadn't yet discovered. And because of that, um, in fact, I did get some pressure from my publisher to where is this already happening? And um, I, I just felt that wasn't yet, and so therefore it wasn't fair to tell or showcase a story about where this was happening uh, when it wasn't at the depth that I was looking for. And and so when I really looked at this, uh, I said that, you know, um, this is really a book for leaders that um, it's not for followers in leadership positions. This is for leaders in leader, leadership positions. And followers in leadership positions always want to look around and say, okay, where is it proven so that I can recreate it? And this is for those that were wanting to go on the journey of a, a, a path that had not been laid out before. And, and, and I, I address this directly in the beginning of the book. This is for those that want to write the stories, not for those that want to hear hear the stories. But the truth is, Matt, for me, the hardest part um, was not including a lot of stories in this because of my love of stories. And certainly, um, I use metaphors and, and things that help the content along, uh, but not having stories was, uh, it was a tough part for me. I, I bet it was. And it's a great tool to use when you're trying to articulate or describe something that isn't necessarily clear for the, the reader to get. And I also have to agree with you, reading your book, it causes one to stop and really have to, to reflect and think about what, what's true for you. You know, I, I also noticed that you were very intentional about using a 3D framework for the book. And I particularly like that. I, I like having things in threes. It's easy to remember things. And you do this both conceptually and also organizationally. Can you speak more to that? Yeah, there were a couple of things. First of all, uh, the concept of the 3D, think of a 3D movie as opposed to going to a regular movie theater versus going to a 3D uh, movie experience in a, in a one that's on the flat screen, uh, you're just viewing the movie. And if you go to a 3D movie, you're in the movie, right? It's all around you. And one of the things that I wanted to make sure is that those leaders at the top that were going to go on this journey is they had to live it. They had to wrestle with it. They had to discover their own core before they could ever uh, lead others. So they had to live in this situation, not direct others like you would just observing others doing it. Um, but the other is you as you mentioned, it gave um, for this idea of um, 
a construct or a context for the content. And that's where I, you know, I came up with the dilemma, the definition, and the destiny. Uh, again, as you, as you so nicely said, it, it makes it easier uh, to remember. But, but it was hopefully driving the ongoing idea that you have to step into this experience. You cannot lead it from, you know, from afar or from the top looking down on everybody. You've got to be in the middle of it with everyone, yourself, personally. Fantastic. And the first portion of the show is about the dilemma. And that's what you write about in the first portion of your book. And you don't really skim over it. In fact, in the book, you stay with it for quite some time. Yeah, see, I think part of the issue is that we have to be honest with ourselves about what puts pressure on core values, because the values are what fuel integrity. If you think about integrity as uh, you can look up a lot of definitions, and if we got all of the listeners today to voice in their uh, definition of integrity, we'd probably see a lot of different flavors. We would see some common threads, but there were three words that came to me uh, that were really important around integrity, and that was the idea of a of whole, entire, and undiminished. And so what puts pressure on that? And so I tried to spend a lot of the first part of the book um, really defining what the issues were uh, and the reality of the context of which we, uh, you know, we live our integrity, we live our values. And, and some of those things, ironically and paradoxically, are really great things. Like, you know, passion can put a lot of pressure and be a blinder uh, to our values. Or we think of how much in organizations today um, that we can measure, we measure deeper, you know, nonstop, and those measurements are wonderful things unless they're not accountable to the values of the organization. And so there are some really great things that ironically put pressure on core values. Now, there are also some things of evolution, like um, the capital markets have evolved, and, and they're different than they were 50 years ago. Um, and, and so there are some, and we evolve, right? We, as we have developed in our careers, we, we add more and more themes, and in fact, I address very directly in the book um, that one of the great dilemmas is when you have too much to lose, that you're holding on to the attachments, and rather having them, they have you, uh, and that's subtle. It happens over, you know, a period of time, and therefore, um, it creates quite a dilemma. So I, I wanted to make sure, uh, as you went on this, that you go in with eyes wide open, with a true, honest assessment that even... Even good things um, can have some dark sides. And, and if you understand that, then I, my hope was that you would dive much deeper into the process of discovering your core. I'm curious, was there one dilemma that stands out to you more than any other? Well, and one of the most surprising things to me, Matt, was when I began speaking on leadership, I just assumed that most people knew their core values. Most professionals would have an awareness of what those core values are. Uh, in fact, I just assumed 95% would, and the percentage was actually correct. Unfortunately, it was just the opposite. Uh, actually, most people don't know what their core values are. They have a gut feel. They have an intuition. Uh, they consider themselves value-based, uh, and so they're Therefore, we make an assumption that we actually know what they are, and that's a huge uh, personal dilemma. 
Um, but the, I guess the other, and I, and I think it's related very directly, um, I was sitting in a Starbucks in a suburb of um, Chicago, Naperville, Illinois, where I live. Uh, I, of course, Matt, I assume that people went, uh, authors went to beautiful chalets to write their books, <laughs> but I was sitting in a little Starbucks, and, and I wrote this out, and I had no idea that it would have, uh, it would, have uh, would reach um, into the heart and soul of so many people. I guess I should have for my own life, but I simply said this, that we don't go running away from our values. We go drifting away, and one day we wake up in a place that we never meant to be, drifting in a direction that we would have never chosen. And this idea of the drift has resonated incredibly. In fact, if people come up to me after a keynote, uh, they will always go to that drift quote. And I think it's because it's the reality. Uh, there was one woman at the University of Alabama that came up to me, and, she, and it was just gold what she said. We've been talking about values and drifting, and she said, John, it kind of dawns on me, if you didn't know where you started, how in the world would you ever know that you had left? And that's the dilemma of assuming you know what your values are when you actually really don't. Wow. And the whole concept of drifting, and I'm, I'm thinking it's as I was hearing you talk there that in some ways it's like anything else in our life. When we don't stop and, and put some attention to something, it's easy to take it for granted. And then that drifting concept comes across. Does that yeah, sound that's a great? That's a great point. So it's not only discovering it, but it's also remembering it and reconnecting with it, right? Absolutely. And that's what I, where, I'll, where I'll put the plug in that it's, it's always nice to have a, a personal coach, even just to check in, you know, once a month or something to where are you on your on your values? Well, John, here we are. We're at, we're at a commercial break. And so what we'll do is on the other side of this, we'll pick up the conversation and we'll dive into the second portion of, of the three D's and th- that being, oh, what is it? Discover? And yeah, well, I wish it was discover, but it's definition. But we'll we'll go back to why you said discover, right? <laughs> exactly. So we'll come back to that. And in the meantime, for those listening, feel free to go to my website. It's transformationalenergyleadership.com and check out my offerings, coaching and consulting and so forth. We will see you back here on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration that opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time with award-winning authors Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the Empowerment Channel. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You 
are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed taking a look at my website during the break. Today, I'm joined by John Bloomberg, who's a national speaker, author, and thought leader on integrity. Now, before the break, we were talking about using a 3D framework, spending quite a bit of time on dilemma, and how and you pulled things together by taking or talking about the one dilemma that stands out to you, John. And so now, let's move on to that second D, and that being definition. You dedicate a significant portion of the book to definition, and most people probably think they know the definition of a core value. You alluded to this a bit in the first segment until they really start to think about it. Now, you told me a little secret as we were prepping for the show, and you said that if you could take the book back and make one adjustment, you would rename this segment of the book. Tell us about that. Yeah, and it's it's really the word that you hit on uh, just before we went to break, Matt, and that's the whole idea of discovery. Because what I realize is, uh, in fact, my biggest fear when I first started talking on core values, uh, especially if you're like the opening keynote for a conference and uh, the topic's core values, people are going to like roll their eyes, oh my gosh, core values again, I know all about core values, I've heard all about core values. And then as you begin to get into it, and, and, and so actually I thought they would just write me off, and uh, what was interesting is they began to think about it, one of the most common questions that people ask me is, well, what exactly is a core value? And for the listeners, I, I would encourage you to go Google core values and test me on this because I, I guarantee you, you will not see a definition that you will look at and say, uh, well, yeah, that makes sense. That's exactly what I, I thought a core value might be. The definition itself is not what we're looking for. What we're looking for is a discovery. And so that little secret, Matt, that you alluded to is that <laughs> if I could take the book back, I would rename the middle section discovery because what we're, we're not looking for a definition of core values. We're actually looking for what are your core values, not your behaviors, not your wants, not your needs, and frankly, not your opinions or beliefs. What we're looking for are what are the values at your core, um, which is actually different than what do you value. Often what you value are needs and wants. And, and so I'm, what I found was what we're really looking for is a discovery. Um, in fact, I remember I was uh, speaking to a group of managing partners from different law firms here in Chicago. There was a group of about 15 of them, and they were all sitting around this big boardroom table. And there was one particular uh, managing partner from a, a, a big law firm here in Chicago, and he was sitting to my right. And I, you know, we began to go venture into this topic, and all of a sudden, he just kind of he just slapped my my uh, right arm <laughs> kind of hard, and he said, "What exactly is a core value?" And I, I looked at him, and I'm not this smart, Matt. I just got lucky. I just said, uh, uh, "Spoken like a great attorney, right?" Uh, always <laughs> looking for a definition, and I said, "You know, what, we're not actually looking for the definition. We're actually looking for what are the values at your core." So the, the, the discovery um, was really, um, you know, the the critical part of this, and that's what that's the joy of it. It is a discovery, especially uh, when you don't know what your values are. And I, I think it's the journey uh, that actually defines it, uh, what a core value is for you. In other words, you discover the definition along the way. And I like how just rearranging those words instead of core values, flipping it to 
your core, your values at your core, it just sends a whole entirely different message about what you're doing in this process. Yeah. And, it, yeah it, it, really it, does. it really does. It changes the framework of what you're looking for, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm thinking about it differently right now. I know you, you talk about this discovery, and it's like digging a 100-foot water well. Tell us more about that. Yeah, and this is where the warning label comes. I, I believe, and what I have found actually since the book has come out and working with what I would consider great people with lots of substance, lots of depth, and they just say, John, this is really harder than I thought it was or thought it was going to be. And, and I have found that it, it, is, it will be harder than you think it will be, and it will take longer than you thought it would be. Uh, but I would also say it will be more adventurous than you could ever Imagine, and, and so in the book I use this metaphor of a 100-foot water well, which, by the way, Matt, in a water well, the water is there whether you dig it or not. It's just that you don't get the advantage or the value of the water unless you're willing uh, to do the digging. Now, here's where the, uh, the warning label comes. It's kind of a bummer. Uh, you know, you start digging, and it becomes harder than you think, so you're at five feet into this, uh, this hole that you're digging, and, um, you know, you're still looking at dirt, right? And, and you get to 25 feet, and you're still looking looking at dirt and you get to, you know, 50 feet and now you're way into it and like you're wishing you'd never probably listen to the show now, right, on hearing about integrity and values. Why did I ever start this? But I'm, you know, I'm pretty far down now. In fact, I was talking to, there was an audience of probably 500 people and um, I was rolling out this water well digging thing and, you know, the idea was, you know, when you get to, I kept asking, when you get to 25 feet, what do you got? You get to 50 feet and it was a rhetorical question. I finally said, you get to 75 feet, what do you think you have and somebody from the crowd yelled out rock <laughs> and I thought you know I haven't thought about that. that's exactly right the further down you go sometimes the harder it gets but you're still on your way to the water and you get to 95 feet and it's a real bummer but you know you're still looking you know at dirt or rock but then you get to the hundred foot and there it is and and so what I would say is that it you know it gets easier and then it gets harder it gets easy and it gets harder and it's that's why the journey teaches you the definition now I know that sounds like hard work um, but I've also found out this, and this is, you know, I talk about this a little bit in the book, but it's become so much more for me um, in talking with people that are digging the well. And, and that's, it's, and my newsletter is called this, The Front Porch. It's like sitting and pondering and wandering and wandering. Um, and it's really this idea of silence and meditation and contemplation. Uh, and, and it's the silence that, you know, begins, I think, to uh, allow this, you know, you know, to come through. And I guess I would say this is that uh, I have a slide in one of my presentations that says, in your persistence to find your core values, you will not find them. And I kind of pause and say, that's a bummer, right? Especially if you're digging this <laughs> well. And the beautiful thing is that in the digging, uh, they will find you. Wow. And I'm wondering, once you get there and you said you find it, do you still, are you, do you still keep digging? Yeah, I think while well, you keep digging and, you know, as I, I think as, as it all becomes clear to you, um, and then what I think you start doing, uh, because it's the difference of knowing your values and knowing your values, and so you know what's on the list, right? You finally say, okay, I think these are my values, uh, but it, then it's in living them that you really get to know them, and that's a digging process in itself, too. It's through living those that you learn more. It's, it's a relationship with those values, and so therefore, uh, the digging really becomes once I know them, now I'm digging into them to get to know them deeper and better. Um, and, you know, they, they become more rich for you. 
That's that's where we get into Kuzis and Posner's work when they talk about modeling the way is one of the key attributes of being an exemplary leader. And that makes just a lot of sense. You know, I liked your analogy about the front porch and your, your newsletter concept about just thinking and reflecting and having that silence. And that connects not nicely because last week I had a, a guest on the show and we talked about mindfulness. And so I'm wondering, can you expand on that a little bit more about mindfulness and what are the common comments or challenges you found as individuals start to dig? Yeah, in fact, um, after the question where people want a definition of values, the next thing they want is a list, right? Like, uh, <laughs> right. Can you just give me a list of 30 words and let me pick my favorite five or... Um, you know, they're, you know, give me a deck of cards that each one has a, you know, a value on it. Let me sort them. Let me prioritize them. Uh, and actually, um, the blank sheet of paper is the most powerful piece. In fact, I always kind of kid around and say I developed this very significant, complicated tool or methodology to allow you if you know your core values. And that tool is a blank sheet of paper. In other words, here's the blank sheet of paper. What are they? And and I believe it's the, the blank sheet of paper that begins to uh, you know, draw that out of you. Now, I, I did over time, um, and over a two-year period, I gave audiences a chance to fill out a, a blank sheet of paper, and then I would ask them to turn in what first hit them. And over that time, I, I built a list. I never judged the list. Anything that they turned in is on the list, and I never prioritized the list. It's an alphabetical order. Uh, but if, if your listeners want to go to my website at BlumbergROI.com, um, forward slash tools, they can actually get a list of about 750 different words that uh, it's not designed to pick words off the list. It's actually designed um, to let your mind wander and wander. And that's kind of the cool thing about it being in alphabetical order um, is that one word has nothing to do with the next word. And I always say print it out and engage with it. Circle, uh, star things, uh, you know, let words help you think of other words and go on this brainstorming journey. Um, there is a thing, though, Matt, that people ask, and that is, um, you know, well, why don't I just look at my current behavior? Uh, that, isn't that what, uh, you know, my values are? In fact, uh, that's been documented in leadership books. In fact, Stephen, the late Stephen Covey, who I love his work and, you know, what he did in the marketplace with the seven habits, uh, I love the work that he, that he did. But there's one thing I disagree with, and that is when he says that if you want to know someone's core values, just look at their checkbook and their calendar. And I just don't know if that's true. Uh, in fact, I don't know if your current behavior is an indicator of your values or your drift. And I'm, I would suggest if you don't know your values, then you wouldn't know that, you know, either. And so it's a good data point. Uh, others would say, well, is it about creating my futuristic self, um, just who I want to be? That's another good data point, but not necessarily what we're looking for either. Uh, what we're looking for is the truth, and that's where the idea of the front porch and the sitting and meditating and contemplating and discovering your true self um, that you will, you know, begin to see that blank sheet of paper fill up um, with the truth. Mm. Now, we've got just about a minute and a half before we go to break. And I want to hit on this one thing because in your book, you distinguish between values, needs, wants, and behaviors. Tell us more about that. 
Yeah, and I think, um, in fact, on this list that I just mentioned, that it's a mixture of all of those because people will, you know, intermingle those. But I think they're very distinct. And I want to say this, they're all important. All of them are important. But in organizations, we work so much on behaviors, and therefore uh, the river flows in the wrong direction. We, you know, we were just constantly working on the, on the behaviors, and those should be the results of values, not the drivers of them. And so I think it's important to, to distinguish with what is a value versus a need versus a want versus uh, a behavior. And what I found is values tend to be states of being. They can be put into action, and that's where our needs, wants, and behaviors are important, uh, but they tend to be state of, states of being. And also have discovered this is that values rarely, if ever, divide that they actually bring things together, bring people together, bring everything we're doing together. And so that's a good um, kind of a litmus test as you're trying to distinguish between values, needs, wants, and behaviors. But it is critical to distinguish, and it's critical to realize all of them serve an important purpose, but they are different. Yeah, would you also say that we all have beliefs, and beliefs we tend to hold on to because we have proof in our life, something that's happened, or maybe it's a religious religious tenant or something of that, that shapes and impacts those values? Yeah, and what I would also say is this, is that sometimes that becomes one of the dilemmas, is that we're holding on to it for the sake of holding on to it, um, and not willing to discover what's beyond it. And I think we're always called to be discovering what's beyond. And so sometimes those opinions and beliefs, uh, we are, they're no longer serving us well. And therefore, we're, they, they become an attachment in themselves. Not all opinions and beliefs, uh, but they certainly, um, uh, I, I, there's was, there was a book, uh, uh, gosh, I'm drawing a blank on the name of uh, Management of the Absurd, and, and it said that every weakness can be played to a, a strength uh, overplayed. And the same can be true for our opinions and beliefs. They, again, good data point, but also can be a block in our discovery. Wow. Well, here we are. We're, we're at a commercial break. And so what we'll do when we return, we're going to, we'll talk more about integrity, of course, and how it connects to transformation. And because that's so something that I really like to link things back to transformation and, of course, energy. So we'll do that. And please join us, callers, if you've got a question or a comment in the next segment. What we'll do, we'll take a break and we'll be back in two minutes. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Have you left the cage that held you back but find yourself in the wild of your life wondering, what do I do now? I'm Dr. Lisa Cooney, and today I'm going to give you the tools to answer that question. Regardless of the issue, your choices of the past no longer need to haunt you. You have the power to change that and to create from a space of fun and ease. How different can your life be? Find out. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Who are you, really? Are you the person you want to be? Or are you the person that others want you to be? Think about that. We don't always recognize our gifts and potential because we stick to old methods of being and do what others in our lives tell us. It's time to break through. Listen for Rediscovering the Magic of Being with Marja. Each program connects you back to whom you were meant to be every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time 
on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. And here we are, and today we're talking about Return on Integrity, Your Real ROI. And I'm joined today by John Bloomberg, a thought leader in this area of integrity. If you have a question or comment, feel free to call in. Now, John, before the break, you were talking. we were talking about needs, values, needs, wants, behaviors, and also this concept of drift. And in the book, you use an interesting hometown analogy of the story of, of reversing the flow of the river in Chicago. Talk more about that. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I was trying to think of the importance of which direction your values, needs, wants, and behaviors flowed. And and typically, they, you know, we're, as I was saying, we work so much on behaviors that the river flows in the wrong direction. And I, uh, being here in Chicago, I knew the story back in uh, 1900. In fact, in the late 1800s, the Chicago River actually flowed into Lake Michigan. And there was pollution in the river, and it flowed in. And Lake Michigan, even to this day, is the, the main source of drinking water uh, for the Chicago land area, and uh, and people were getting sick and they were dying, and and somebody came up with this crazy idea. In fact, I, I feel this a lot in the marketplace. Of John, if you really think this value thing is going to work, and you know the marketplace today with all the pressures to bear and all the dilemmas that you mentioned, you're just a little bit nuts and 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 naive, <laughs> and that's probably what. Uh, everyone, uh, they, they were saying we need to build more hospitals, more hospital beds, more medicine to you know heal all these sick and dying people from this contaminated water in Lake Michigan. And somebody said we need to reverse the flow of the river. And crazy enough, the um, the U.S. Corps of Engineers still to this day is one of the greatest feats ever. Is they reverse the flow so that Lake Michigan flows into the Chicago River. Now every metaphor limps, right? And so the question would be, why don't they just quit dumping things in the Chicago River that flow into Lake <laughs> right. Michigan? Um, that, that, that's an obvious uh, uh, kind of thing, but it also served many other uh, purposes as well. But as crazy as the idea was, I think that's, that's what we're trying to do here is we're trying to reverse the flow of the river so our values inform our needs that inform our wants that then drive better behavior. And, and that's the reverse of the flow of that river. And the hard work is to keep digging to understand what those values are. Yeah, exactly. Right. And yeah. then everything flows from that. Got you. You know, the last segment of your book, Destiny, you use it or frame it as a handbook. And I know there was a part of you that hesitated to include it. And you actually call it a destiny roadmap. Talk more about that. Yeah, so my thought was is that, you know, if you put a, you know, a, a formula in here or a methodology for the leader at the top to how to go do this in their organization, my, my fear was they just jumped to the solution and said, let's get after this, and they would not personally be equipped to be ready to lead that. Um, but, I, but, you know, I got a lot of pushback saying you at least got to give them, you know, a, a framework of where to go with this. And so actually in the beginning of the book, I, I talk about you can jump to the third section and and find a, a you know a roadmap uh, to do this but with great um, you know with, with great warning 
and that is until you're ready to do this personally, you will never be able to effectively execute it. And so therefore, my trust eventually, and why I included that part of the book, uh, to show them how to do this in an organization was if, if they went through the first two sections, um, that they would own what that third section was. In other words, they weren't going to just use it as some cookbook process, that they would have been so deeply personally involved in this as the leader at the top that they would do it in their unique way, but it would still serve uh, a purpose in giving them a framework from which to add their own creativity uh, and their own uniqueness to it. And, and my hope was is that that would lead um, you know, to not only the transformation of themselves, but the transformation uh, of the organization, and they would do it in a way that is uniquely them, that is grounded from their core. You know, for someone who didn't want to include that section, you sure provided a robust approach for any leader that wants methodology to guide them through implementation. And so and I'm sure they really appreciate that. You know, if there is one place that your love of story comes through, it's embedded in your destiny roadmap. What is the importance of story in all of this? Yeah, and it kind of goes back to what we started with, Matt, the whole idea of story. And um, although the book isn't a book filled with stories, remember I said this was about them creating their story. And so one of the critical parts of the roadmap is that you begin to notice the stories that begin to, uh, um, that begin to evolve. In other words, when the leader at the top is connected to their core, then they get their leadership team connected to their core, and then they collectively read discover the core of the organization, and then lead others to discover first their personal core, and then connect into the organizational core, uh, all of a sudden your eyes are opened, and you begin to see stories. And so one of the critical parts of the roadmap is to uh, begin to become aware at not only seeing story, but telling story. And therefore, what begins to happen is the values begin to come, become three-dimensional through the telling of stories of where they see them. And by the way, this isn't to reward people for doing uh, you know, great things. Well, often, it's kind of funny we reward people when they're living the values, which is a little crazy because isn't that what they should be doing, right? It's what everybody should be doing. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't celebrate the stories of where they're coming alive because we learn through those stories. The same way in our own life, we learn through the stories as we live them, and that's how we get to know the values. That's where story really uh, took on a critical element, I think. Story is powerful, and it reminds me of Cooper Ryder's work with appreciative inquiry. And it seems to me you could use the appreciative inquiry methodology to go out, collect the stories as a litmus test to see how the values are being lived from a, a leadership perspective. Right, exactly. Yeah, I'm, you know, there's, you believe the destiny roadmap of an organization begins with the destiny roadmap of an individual. So let's bring it back to the personal level. What is the personal roadmap? Yeah, and that's a good question, Matt, because this is the thing that differentiates what I'm trying to do, and that is to celebrate the importance of personal values 
in the organization. Now, let's be clear. When you sign up to, to be part of an organization, there are shared values that we all agree to, and that's the organizational values. But they truly come alive because of our knowledge and commitment and living our personal values within the context of those organizational values. What that says, though, is that it comes down to the personal level. Uh, and I, I've never tried to approach this from a standpoint of this is about compliance or ethics or controlling. Uh, I think that's where we've made the mistake on this. And, and certainly, if you, if you really get grounded in this, it's going to prevent terrible things from happening. But think about this for a second, Matt. When you look at terrible things that have happened in organizations, and it's every arena, you, you know, whether it's government or corporations or, or churches or community not-for-profits, is it's, it's never really an organizational failure. It's a personal failure. And, and that's why it's so important that we stay grounded at the personal level. And, and there are really two things, I think, that can be helpful with this. One is you name your drift guards. Who are the people that, when you're drifting, are going to call you out? They're going to love you enough to tell you the truth. And so, therefore, when you, when you discover your values, give them to those drift guards and say, if you ever see me drifting, just call it out for me. And, and you trust them to do that. The second is, the, the problem is they can't be with you 24-7, right? And mm. so I, uh, one thing I talk about is the PMAM formula. That's every night when you sit on the side of your bed, uh, just go down your list of values. Some people say, well, how many values you're supposed to have? And I don't know the answer to that question, but I am confident of this. If you do not know them, you cannot live them. So every night you sit on the side of the bed and mentally go through your day that you just lived, and, and there's a litmus test. See how you did. Celebrate where the values came alive and see where they could have but they didn't or where you actually drifted, not to beat yourself up, but to actually have an awareness about that. And then the next morning, look at your day ahead and look where the opportunity is for those values to come alive, both personally and organizational values as well. And I think you'd be amazed amazed at how they will fuel your experience, um, both looking back and also um, looking forward. I know with all this discussion about values, I know from my discussion with you that you don't actually believe that integrity is a core value. And I think some might be surprised by that, actually, especially those many, or- <laughs> especially those organizations, you know, you walk into their, the office, into their lobby area, and they've got their values up there, and they have integrity listed as one of them. Tell me more about why you say it's not a value. Yeah, in fact, I had a really good friend in one of my newsletter, uh, front porch newsletters. I uh, had an article about integrity is not a core value, and he's at a major organization, and their first value is integrity, and he's like a brother to me, and and he calls me and said, Blumberg, what is this? That's our number one value. And, I, and he said, I was all, you know, wound up about this, and... He said, then I continued to read the article, and, and then it dawned on me what you were talking about when you said that integrity is not a core value, it's the fabric of every value. And he said, actually, the reason that we put it as the number one value is because if we didn't have that, the rest didn't matter. And I think that's true. Again, it goes back to that definition, Matt, on um, whole, entire, and undiminished. And if you really think about that, you know, whether it's an organization or an individual, um, that that it's the state of being integrated, right? And and so therefore, in, integrity is the fabric of every value that you name. It is what actually makes it real, incredible, and authentic and genuine. 
and and that's why I called it out. Now, I have no problem if they put integrity on the list, um, but I do think it's important to realize in itself it really isn't a core value. Um, uh, I think some people, you know, equate it to honesty, but honesty is is, is something that it, it is different than integrity. Uh, they certainly serve each other, but they are different. And I would imagine any, everyone listening to the show, or just if you were to go around and ask people, what's the definition of integrity? You would get just multiple perspectives of it. And I, I really like how you, you say it's really integrity is the fabric of all the values. That makes a, a tremendous amount of sense. Yeah, well, listen, I think it allows you then to see all the other values in a richer you know, kind of way that every value has integrity or your desire is that every value has integrity. Mm-hmm. And it requires constant work from the personal, what you're saying, from the personal and feeding or emanating out through the organization. Well, I'll tell you what, John, we're closing in on our next commercial break. I think we're at a, a good point to take a pause. And then when we come back, what I'd like for us to do is let's link this to energy and how your your integrity and all that feeds into the energy that we have as leaders within an organization. And so what we'll do, let's go ahead and take a commercial break. During the break, feel free to go to my website. That's transformationalenergyleadership.com. And we will see you back here in two minutes. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Many of us define our lives by what has already happened. It's a past tense series of events. Do you long for something else? You don't have to live solely in this reality. Tune in for To Win Within with host Strom Thomason. Strom and his guests are here to introduce you to your true self. It's time to emerge from your box and take a beautiful journey of self-love and discovery. You'll find yourself exactly where you need to be. To Win Within airs live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Are you ready to tackle the rules of business? You may think you're doing everything by the book, following your own best practice beliefs, bringing in endless consultants, only to find that your business is not moving forward. That's where you need to stop and figure out where things are going wrong. Enter Business Rules with host Peter Feinstein. Peter and his guests will break it all down for you to help you and your business succeed. Listen Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to the show. Today's focus is integrity and how it is in the fabric of every value. And in fact, we just left right before the commercial break talking about how integrity itself is not a value, but it's a fabric 
that weaves through all the other values. And I thought that was really, really insightful, John. And, and, you know, John, before we recap on this last segment of all the different things that we've talked about over the course of our conversation, what I'd like for us to do is to make the linkage to the necessary energy every leader must possess, espouse, and own for true transformational leadership. Yeah, and I think of when you really think about transformation, uh, the one thing that I can promise is if you dig the well uh, and you really stay with it, uh, you will be transformed. Um, in fact, they will transform you, and you will then become transformational um, you know, in what you do. Um, also, I would say that, that the, when, when we really think about energy, and it's in- interesting when you think about energy uh, through at least this lens, is that there's an energy that propels you. There's an energy where we're expending energy. We're getting things done. Um, I would say also, uh, and it really goes back to this idea of um, meditation and contemplation and, and, and mindfulness, which I know you talked about last week, is there's, a, there's an energy that works within you, that fuels you, that, that, that fills you. And, and so therefore, I think it's that kind of energy that you know, begins to, you know, create the transformation in that regard. And, and I think it's, it, it is a critical part of exactly what your show is all about, and that is transformation and energy. And I think, they, it, you know, the question is what fuels all of that, and I think it's, it, it's this water uh, that's at the bottom of the well known as our, you know, personal and then an organization, uh, you know, organizational core values. Imagine just how much more pure your energy will be the deeper you dig into that well and find that discovery within yourself. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's where the, you know, the authentic transformation and authentic energy, um, I think that's where it comes from. And, and so the question is, are you staying connected? You know, it's interesting that the analogy of the well, uh, one thing that's, that's kind of critical about that too is you can dig the well and it's all ready to go, but if you don't keep coming back to the well, the water won't do a lot of good, right? It's designed to go back to on a daily basis. Go back to your well and, yes, and nourish yourself. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. right. And, and, and you, as you said earlier, you know, that's where having a coach can be such a great, you know, element for, for some people um, in some ways that, you know, you go back to the well with your coach. And, and the more your coach knows you, the more they know, um, you know, how to help you when you're at the well. In this fast, crazy paced environment that we call work, life, <laughs> period, <laughs> it is just taking those, those moments like you said, with a coach, or as we talked with mindfulness last week, too, it's just taking a couple of minutes, focus on the breathing and shut everything out, get yourself clear, and then start doing that digging. It all really connects. And I, I really appreciate how you connected this to authenticity, because every, every guest that I've had on the show, authenticity comes up. But how do you get to it? And I think you've just opened the door to that. Mm, yeah, makes a lot what, of that's sense. That's what I hope. Yeah. Right. You know, I want to recap where we've been today as the time has moved on. From the very beginning, when we started the conversation, we talked about your 3D framework, that being dilemma, then, well, you would call it discovery, but it's actually definitions, what we call it in the book. And then the the final one here being, uh, oh, shoot, what is the third third D? Destiny. Destiny. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. So there are the three D's. And we began with the first D, dilemma. And you talk more about what's the one dilemma. Give us a high, the, the headline for this section that we should take away from it. 
Yeah, and I think it's just realizing that all three segments are, uh, you know, important. The, um, you know, it's important to realize the reality of the dilemma and really think about that and be real about it, because then we have a reason to do the digging. Um, and, and, you know, and certainly uh, just understanding that there's, there's a process here of realizing the current condition, the current state, and that's the dilemma, and there's something to be discovered uh, define your values, get to know them, and then there is there's action to be taken on that. There's a road to be, you know, lived, um, and and you know, and that's the destiny. And so, seeing the whole framework, I think, is helpful. But then you you live it in that order. I think is I have found actually feeds on it. And it's not necessarily um, what I would say sequential because it goes back and forth. Um, but they are unique individual parts, and and so therefore, I think it, that's why that three D framework. Um, helps you live it in a 3D kind of way. Absolutely. And that takes us to the next D, and that's definition or or discovery. And through that, as we were talking about it, you shared some stories, including the river and reversing the flow of the river, which is a powerful metaphor. And you also distinguish between the values and needs and wants and behaviors. Boil that down. What's our takeaway here? Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway is being willing to dig, being willing to stay in the process over a long period of time. And and the one thing I would say here is this is not to go away for a weekend. I think you work on it 30 minutes, you put it away. You work on it a little bit more, you go to life and, and start living. You put it, you know, you go back and forth and back and forth and let it evolve. Um, you know, it's not a matter of getting there as much as it is going there. And that's really what this discovery is about, and which is why I wish I had called it discovery instead of definition, but they're one in some ways of the same, because in discovering, you will define what those core values are. Uh, but it is about having the patience and persistence to keep digging and giving yourself grace along the way as you're trying to discover. And then grace I guess it. I would say is then let be open to let your values discover you. That reminds me of a quote. It goes something like, it's not the destination, it's all about the journey. Yes. Are you yeah, and that's what it reminds me of. Let's go to the third segment, and that's destiny. And in there, you made linkages to organizational transformation and also the importance of your own stories, your personal roadmap, and how it brings clarity to values. What should we remember about that part of our discussion and that's where it's about putting it into action. Um, and and I, I come pretty hard at this idea that we work so hard on behaviors, um, and we've sent billions of dollars in organizations doing this. And you can keep doing that, uh, but in some ways it's like rearranging the chairs on the Titanic to use a, you know, a metaphor that's been used probably way over overused. Uh, but it really is that. But I would also say this, Matt, is that when you've discovered it, it's only good when we begin to live it. And that's where we have to realize that the destiny roadmap is letting our values inform our needs, our wants, and our behaviors and let them flow into those. And it's about putting them into action and knowing deeper and deeper our values through that, through living the roadmap. So ultimately, um, the, the, real, the real return on the investment <laughs> is your return on integrity is where that begins to impact your needs, wants, and behaviors. And the river is flowing in that direction and not the reverse. 
And we'll never forget, ROI now is return on integrity. Thank you, John, for everything that you've brought to the conversation today. And before we go, I know you mentioned it before, but I think it's worth mentioning again. How can our listeners contact you to find out and learn more about integrity? Yeah, they can, you know, can just go to my website, and that's uh, uh, B-L-U-M-B-E-R-G-R-O-I. Dot com so blumbergroi.com and there you'll discover um, social media uh, my blog um, and certainly have access to uh, the book there and different tools to help you on this journey and I, I hope you'll go there and uh, and more importantly than anything start digging Fantastic, and I will. I'm going to keep on digging for that water. Thank you, John. A preview for our show next week. Some people believe you're born with what you got, and those are the cards you have to work with as you go about your life. And others will say you have the potential to develop new skills and new methods for leading others. What am I talking about? I'm talking about living with a growth mindset. And so we're going to have a special guest calling in from London next week, and we're going to explore this world of growth mindset. And so, Before next week, if you have a topic that you want covered or if you have someone that you think would be a good addition to the conversation we're having here, please contact me and let me know. And also, feel free to log on to my website, transformationalenergyleadership.com, or contact me by emailing me, mmolsey at transformationalleadership.com, and tell me what you're thinking. So until next time, harness your positive energy and lead transformation. Talk with you next week. Thank you for listening to Transformational Energy Leadership. Please join Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey again for another edition next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.